Bitcoin and crypto geniuses seem to be popping up all over the place. Well, that's what happens whenever there's a bull run. All of a sudden, everyone, including your mom, becomes a crypto expert. But there are some analysts who have stood the test of time. One such person is Tika Tawari, founder of the Palm Beach Letter, a former hedge fund manager and Wall Street executive. He's widely considered one of the world's premier cryptocurrency analysts. We have the privilege to be joined by Tika today for an informative, insightful, and downright fun interview. You're guaranteed to learn something or we'll refund every penny you paid us for this free episode. What doesn't kill Bitcoin only makes it stronger. You'll discover how it is the OG honey badger on episode number 517 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two... That's a Megadeth song. That's one of the only Megadeth albums I know. My daughter actually just finished School of Rock playing bass in School of Rock. I came back from Puerto Rico, come here, want to see her concert. She just did a Pink Floyd concert. She plays bass. So the concert started out with money. Boom, boom, ba doom, boom, boom. That's awesome, and she kills it. She didn't miss one freaking note. On she played bass on every one of the songs, and now the next season is the big four of heavy metal, and so like she's learned all these different genres. She's gone through Motown. She's gone through, you know, um, well Pink Floyd. She's gone through a bunch of different Nirvana, and now she's going in and doing heavy metal, which I think is pretty cool. It's very cool. When is she going to get into the Millie Vanilli stage? Well, it's when you lip sync and don't do the real songs. (laughs) She says her favorite bass musician is uh, uh, James Jamerson, who most people don't know that guy. He's the dude who played bass on all those old school Motown songs like Marvin Gaye and Commodores and everything. he, He has more number one songs, James Jamerson, than pretty much anybody. There you go. A little bit of music trivia, a little love for family members and welcome to the bad crypto podcast joel come here travis right there we're glad you are there for a fantastic interview with tika tawari you guys are really going to enjoy this first of all we want to let you know that animoca is working to revolutionize the gaming industry we're talking big hits gang everything yatsu has touched has done really well f1 delta time quid the sandbox crazy defense heroes gamey others in the works you want to know what they're up to go check them out animocabrands.com yep yep big fans of animoca brands you get some cryptos it grows in your hands it's pretty handy i like them doing great stuff over there and you know what i've i heard a tika tawari back in 2017 and he's got this document called newsletter called the palm beach letter and like a research group over there and somebody had sent me a PDF of some research on some projects. And I remember, um, you know, reading over it and stuff like this is really detailed stuff. And I didn't realize that it was him that we were interviewing until during the interview. So I was like, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Palm Beach, the Palm Beach letter. That's you. Oh, damn. Like this dude knows his stuff. You guys are going to enjoy this interview. And if not, you sit there and you finish, you finish your podcast. Do not get up until that podcast is over. You hear me? Well, it's a small world after all, because before this 
interview. Before I push record, uh, we welcomed Tika Tawari here to the Zoom with us and discovered that we three are all in the same place in Puerto Rico, coming to us live from Palmas del Mar, probably a stone's throw away from where Travis and I both are, is the one and only Tika Tawari. Tika, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thanks so much. Hi, everybody. It's good to be here. Yeah, we really could have done this in person, and we yes, found out a little, <laughs> little, little too late. A uh, little background here. You're the executive chairman strategy board at uh, DeFi Tech. Uh, aiming to become the world leader in offering services built upon decentralized finance. You are the editor of the Palm Beach Letter, a small cap and crypto advisory Palm Beach confidential. You've got a service called the Alpha Edge. You've got the Palm Beach Venture. You've got Palm Beach Crypto Income, and somehow you don't live in Palm Beach. Now you live here in Palmas Del Mar. You've also got a really interesting story, uh, a rise from uh, being one with youthful enthusiasm to rocketing up into the financial world and then crashing back down and then finding your footing again. So uh, maybe kind of give us an overview of what it was I just shared there with a little more meat on it. Sure. I, um, I've always known that I would work in the financial space in some way. I remember being 12 years old and, and, and finding out about Wall Street and thinking that I, I want to do that. And I, I grew up in the foster care system in, in the United Kingdom. And uh, when I was 16, I had the opportunity to leave the UK. I had 100, literally $150 in my pocket and the clothes that I was wearing. And I came to America and I started flipping burgers for a living, just like most new uh, immigrants do when you have no skills. And then by the time I was 18, I had managed to talk my way into a job at Lehman Brothers as a, as a cold caller. Now, this is what you did as a cold caller. You would call people up, get them on the phone, and then hand the phone to your broker. And then your broker would try to you know, introduce himself and create a relationship. And it was mind-numbing work. You'd have two phones, and you'd be dialing you know, three, 400 phone, making three, 400 phone calls a day. But it was a way for me to get my foot in the door. And um, so I started at Lehman Brothers and then uh, eventually became a broker and became the youngest VP in the firm's history when I was 20 years old. And um, I just worked my way up the ranks doing that, became quite wealthy doing that. And then in 1998, uh, going into 99, when we had the Asian financial crisis, I got too greedy. I was short, stayed short too long. And then uh, markets started to turn against me. And I made the classic mistake that many young people make, thinking that I was smarter than the market. And I got demolished. I got my mm. face ripped off. I lost every penny I had made and more, and ultimately was compelled to file for bankruptcy a couple of years later. It was devastating. Um, I couldn't even look at a, a ticker symbol for a year and a half. How old I were you when that happened? I was uh, 28, around 20. So you were like, oh, I'm king. I got all the shifts figured out. Look yeah. at me. And then boom, how the mighty have fallen. Yes. Fallen. It's a good lesson so, to learn early, though, right? I mean, before you're 30, to rise and fall like that, to so much opportunity still before you. But you, you don't see that when you're that age. In my mind, it was over. I was an old man. I had wasted all of my opportunities. I was never going to have another opportunity. You went from I dishwasher went, back to dishwasher? 
Well, I, I actually went, I started working at the restaurant that I used to order from when I was working on Wall Street. That's how far, wow. I, you know, that I had, I had come down because my, I was so mentally blown out. My self-image was completely destroyed. And so much of this game is mental, right? It, it really is. And, and having mental resilience. And uh, I was telling myself stories about myself that just were completely untrue. You know, I had made a mistake. That's the bottom line. I had made a mistake. And, and, and you know what? Life is about making mistakes and learning from them. And uh, it took me a while to figure that out. So I'm, I'm sitting on a, a, a mattress that's about this thin, renting a room from a good friend of mine who's renting it to me on the cheap out in Queens, New York. My room is covered in dust because I'm just in a complete state of dysfunction and not cleaning anything. And I look around me and I say, your life, your story cannot end like this. You need to get the hell up and get your shit together. I don't know if I can say that word, but and get your stuff together. Um, and so I did. I really examined what I got right and what I got wrong. And what I realized was, is that I'm very good at identifying macro trends, um, but I was very bad at managing risk. And so I, I threw myself into learning about risk management and learning about how to take, uh, how to invest in moonshot, potential moonshot plays without betting your whole wad. And I came up with this idea of asymmetric risk investing of where you essentially build a portfolio of good high quality assets that throw off income. And then you take that income and you use that income to speculate in asymmetric risk assets. So I did that, rebuilt my fortune, started writing newsletters um, because I, I didn't like working on Wall Street. And then eventually I sold that newsletter business and kind of fast forwarding here. And then a couple of years later, uh, this newsletter business that I work with now, Palm Beach Research Group approached me and they said, hey, would you like to write for us? And you know, for the for two years, I'd been making sandwiches for my kids. So I, I was ready <laughs> to, to get back mm. to work. That's where I've heard of you. Palm right. Beach, the, the the research club. Right. I remember, I think I saw some documentation on Dragon Chain back in the day or something. Right. There was, and I, I remember, yep, I remember seeing, remember seeing your name. Now, this is something that's really fascinating to me because I did not know this coming into this interview. Yeah. But I co-wrote, I co-wrote a book with Chris Snook. Okay. Called Digital Sense. Mm -hmm. And I, I found out from chatting with him that you guys are working together on a little something, something. And just so happens that um, I just last night bought some DeFi tech stock on AD Ameritrade or TD Ameritrade. So it's like, to me, that's just like, whoa, hold on, hold on here. What? That's, that, that's awesome. So, so there's some stuff that's going on with, with Chris. It's not fully been, fully been launched yet, but it's just like the parallels between that right. and that whole deal. And then knowing that you're here in Palmas, my mind is just kind of blown right now because that's just too much fucking synergy for one brain to handle at one time right now. It's a, it's a lot of synergy. Uh, it's amazing how closely related all these worlds are. Um, but to make a long story short, I got involved in crypto in 2016, I watched Brock Pierce talk about blockchain specifically. Before that, I had thought that Bitcoin was just a Ponzi scheme that smart guys had figured out how to steal money from people. It was, I had a very narrow view because I had come from a traditional finance world. Once I understood that the blockchain allowed you to memorialize data, 
store data, store value, and move value among participants without a trusted third party of any kind, it exploded my brain. And then in that moment, I devoted my entire life to educating as many people as possible about Bitcoin, about Ethereum, and about crypto. And it, that started a run in 2016 that has now culminated in me having, I mean, probably the largest footprint of anybody in the world in terms of uh, the crypto newsletter business and having the best track record of anybody in, in the crypto newsletter business. I, I wrote the very first report on Ethereum, recommending it at nine. I said it'll be worth at least 350 bucks and people thought I was insane. And here we are now, you know, we've, we've been over 4K. So um, the, the next evolution to me in terms of crypto, crypto has always been outside of Bitcoin, has always been a solution looking for a problem, right? And, and people misunderstood crypto as thinking, oh, yeah, okay, it's cool, but it doesn't do anything. I remember people felt the same way about the internet because people were just uploading pictures of their cats and like, okay, that's cool, but what are we actually going to do with the internet? Mm -hmm. And so, and then came along decentralized finance. And I will tell everybody watching here right now, decentralized finance is the killer app that could only have happened with blockchain technology. It could not have happened without blockchain technology and decentralized finance will, will remake the world in a way that we can't even begin to conceptualize of, right? In 1995, we could not foresee how Google would create AdWords or how Facebook would completely reinvent social media that would move the entire presidential elections. We couldn't even think about that. We couldn't conceptualize that. That is what decentralized finance represents. It is the complete removal of intermediaries within the financial world. And, and that's the reason why I, I aligned myself um, in an in a, in a, in a advisory role with DeFi Tech. It's the, I can't tell you how many companies have approached me over the last five years to work with them. And I've always said no, because I've always seen a flaw in what they're doing. But what DeFi Tech is doing is that they're essentially capitalizing on this trend and then they're they're making DeFi easy to access both for individuals and for institutions and facilitators in this trend i, I think you're going to do incredibly well what what do you feel like DeFi tech is doing i mean you can consider this a, a commercial if you want to you're working with them you're bullish on them what are they doing yeah. differently that you think is going to lead the way to transform this DeFi new financial world Okay, so what, what they're doing, and, and again, I'm glad you raised that, okay? So let me just be very clear with everybody. Everything I say about DeFi tech is, is biased, okay? I'm an investor in them. I advise them. Let me just be 100% clear to anybody watching this right now, okay? So glad we got that out of the way. Or listening, because lots of people yeah, listen. Or, 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 or listening. They might so, not know just how damn handsome you are right now. <laughs> they might just be imagining, you know, with the, they might right. they might think that you look like uh, you know a male model with long flowing blonde hair, right? Well, we don't. I they don't know. I I haven't had long flowing hair since the very early nineties. Oh, you spoiled it! You spoiled it! I was trying to. Okay, go ahead. Tell us about them. But 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 it's been a minute. So what 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 I find attractive about DeFi tech is they're building the business around making DeFi more accessible. So what does that mean? So I, I think there are four 
major value capture opportunities in decentralized finance, if you're a decentralized finance business right now. So one is in providing securitized ways to get access to DeFi. So let's say I'm a, I don't know, I'm a school teacher in the Midwest. Do I really want to go out and buy, let's say I want to buy Uniswap, right? I've got to go on an exchange. I've got to fund it. This is not something that is, is, is really intuitive for me. Or let's say I'm a small institution. I, my, my, my charter doesn't even allow me to hold a bearer asset, let alone go on the internet and open up an account that isn't uh, uh, SEC approved or registered under the 1940 Securities Act. So there's this need for a securitized product like a like an ETN or an ETP or an ETF, an exchange traded product that will give people pinpoint um, uh, the pinpoint ability to, let's say, buy Uniswap, buy Comp, buy Aave, uh, 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 buy into Ethereum, buy into Bitcoin, but do it through a security, right? That wrapper, that security wrapper is incredibly important. It's a, it's a pathway into the asset um, that, that is, is absolutely needed. So one of the things that DeFi Tech is doing is they've got a whole division where they're creating exchange traded products, right? So they've created, they've, and, and they're free. So they've created one for Bitcoin, they've created one for Ethereum, they've created one for Cardano, and they're free. You can buy them. There are no fees whatsoever. So this is a way of broadening out access um, uh, to these different protocols. And I think that is a trend that has long, long legs. So another one is governance. A big problem right now in a lot of these you know, decentralized protocols is they have centralized government governance. And just like in the traditional corporation needs to have independent directors on their board, um, what you're going to find is that projects that want to have more credibility in the marketplace are going to need to have independent governance. So one of the things that DeFi uh, Tech is pursuing is this idea of DeFi governance. And they're already working um, with Shift right now uh, in that role. And I think that that's an opportunity um, where a, a public company can take their credibility and apply it in that role, and, and they get paid for it, right? They get tokens for it. The two other areas that I think are also incredibly uh, ripe for value aggregation is, is a treasury product. You know, right now, if you're a European institution, you are paying banks 50 basis points, half a point to hold your money. That's insane, when I started working on Wall Street, the, 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 the long-term treasury yield was 9%. And now we've gone from that where we're paying banks to hold our money. Well, what if, you, if there was a way for you to create a security that gave you access to some of the yields on offer in decentralized finance, but you were able to, um, you were able to structure the security in such a way where you could get rid of the directional risk. So let's say if I want to take Bitcoin and deposit it and get an 8% yield, but I have directional risk on Bitcoin, right? What if there's a way that I could create a product that gets rid of the directional risk, but it might reduce the yield down to 4%? Well, if I can give an institution a treasury asset, wrap it up in what's called an Eisen number, which is a security number that all securities have, uh, and I offer them 2% and DeFi tech takes 
and there's no directional volatility, as long as I put it in an Eisen number wrapper, which is a, a special wrapper that securities are put in, it can be held by any brokerage firm in the world. It can be custodied by any bank in the world. It can be custodied by any financial institution in the world. Do you know how powerful that is? Do you know what type of super highway of institutional capital that will be into this space for the first company that can create that asset class? Mm. It, it's in, it, so, you know, coming from the traditional finance space, I, 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 I look at this space from a different set of eyes. People think that just because, oh, because we've got a couple of people in the space that can now hold assets for institutions, it's going to pour all this institutional money in. No, there's still a couple of more steps that have to take place. You've, you've got to put these projects into wrappers that institutions can hold. And if you can do that, then you become a conduit for billions of dollars of institutional money to flow into you. Mm. And of course, you get a percentage of that, of that, of that asset under management. So how does, how does it actually get rid of that? How does it get, of that, get rid of that volatility? How does, so, it, how does yeah. that wrapper essentially work? Because Bitcoin goes up, Bitcoin goes down. But if you're eliminating that volatility, what happens if it does goes up and it skyrockets or if it, or if it tanks? How does that, how does that maintain a, a stasis? Yeah. You eliminate the volatility in the swaps market. So you can either do it with options or you can do it with futures. And so what you're looking to do is get rid of the directional volatility. Let, you know, give that to other traders, because what the institution cares about is the yield. They want the yield, mm -hmm. and, but they don't want directional volatility and they can't hold the crypto. So if you can take that product and, and, and put that Eisen wrapper on it, well, in the eyes of their audit committee, in the eyes of their, um, their internal uh, risk department, that's a securitized product, which they can hold with no problem. They don't have to have a special meeting of the risk committee. They don't have to have a special meeting of the audit committee. The CEO doesn't have to put his credibility at risk. It's an Eisen numbered security. So uh, they're not there yet. Nobody is. But that is something that we are, uh, uh, that the company is working on. And again, let me be clear. I can't guarantee that they'll do that. I'm not telling you that the company is about to launch that. But this is an incredible opportunity in, uh, uh, for value capture in front of the company uh, right now. And it's one that unless you come from a traditional Wall Street background, you have no even no idea this opportunity even exists. Hmm. You don't ask a hundred people what an Eisen number is. They will have no idea. It's I S I N. Eisen know. no idea. Yeah, Eisen no Eisen, idea. Eisen right. no clue. All right. So I appreciate you breaking that down a little little above my pay grade. I'm still wrapping my head around it, but um, I'm glad that you're a futurist and and get this. You kind of see where the ball uh, is moving or i guess uh, where the puck is going i guess that's the reference they use and so here we are i want to time stamp and date stamp this interview because it's going to air shortly in the future it is may 20th 120 p.m in the afternoon eastern time and this is the day after black wednesday where the the market tanked you know, Bitcoin touched on $30,000, Ethereum went under 2000 Of course, we've recovered back to 40 or even 42 of Bitcoin. What happened from your perspective yesterday? And 
is this bull run going to continue and bring us to new highs before the real bear market takes over? Okay, great questions. First things first, this is crypto. On any given day, you can come in, wake up in the morning, drink your coffee, fire up your computer and be down 50%, period. And if you cannot deal with that, this is not the asset for you. That's the reality, period, end of discussion. So you got to know what you're getting into. And, and a lot of people, millions of people got their face slapped off yesterday and had no idea that this is the fire of investing in crypto. This is it. This is the nature of this asset class. So welcome to the NFL, everybody. That's what yesterday was. You know, why did we sell off? Who knows? Was it China? Was it these new rules now that they want to have? If you move $10,000 worth of Bitcoin, they've got to report it. Was it uh, Elon Musk? I, I, I don't know. I could tell you, it doesn't matter. What matters is, did you take advantage of it? I was buying Bitcoin hand over fist yesterday. I was buying Ethereum hand over fist yesterday. To me, this was like free money being thrown at me. It's like, come get it, come get it, come get it. I have lived through so many of these sharp sell-offs. It, 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 doesn't even, it doesn't even bother me. It's like, an, it's like a, a guy who has had so many explosions go off next to him. He doesn't even budge. And he sees the rookie hiding under you know, the table because a little bullet was his by. It's like, come on, dude. This, you're in a war zone. What do you expect? So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is we will definitively go significantly higher. This bull run is just getting started. And for a number of different reasons. Uh, one, there's only about 100 million, 125 million people that are actively involved in crypto. There are 7 billion people on this planet, 5 billion of which have, have a, one of these. Okay. We are at the very bottom run of the beginning of the mass adoption of this asset class, period, end of discussion. If you want to tie it back to the internet, it's 1998 in the internet. Look at how much value capture there has been in the internet from 1998 to now. Trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, trillions. And that value capture happened based on a global uh, base of shareholders of about 500 million. This is unlike any other asset class because if you've got one of these, you can play. So this asset class is going to go to 5 billion people. It's going to eclipse the stock market in total value in short order. I'm not going to give an exact date. I, I don't have a crystal ball. But pulling that camera back and taking that bigger view, there is no question in my mind that the crypto market, the aggregate value of the crypto market will over time surpass the value of the traditional stock market. No question. But you, so you ended that story a couple of times. I want to revisit it to be yeah. clear. you you said this bull market is not over by a long shot, not which means we're going to see all time highs yeah. before we see a sell off that goes, you know, sideways for a while. Correct. We will see all time highs. Uh, we will see all time highs in Bitcoin. We will see all time highs in Ethereum and many of the other coins. 
uh, that are currently listed. So right now, I think is uh, as of this date, May 20, is an incredible buying opportunity. This sell-off has provided an incredible buying opportunity. And the key here to everyone listening and everyone watching is for the love of all that matters in life, be rational, be rational. Small, even positions over a broad portfolio will do the heavy lifting for you. You don't need to go max out your credit cards, take the money from Johnny's education fund and bet it all on black on the latest doggy meme coin that you think's gonna moon. It's not necessary. If all you did was do 50% Bitcoin and 50% Ethereum, in my opinion, you will outperform any asset class in the world today. Stocks, bonds, commodities, derivatives, options trading. Over time, those two assets will continue to accrue massive value. You don't need to make it complicated and you don't need to make it more difficult for yourself. And so you, you've had ridiculous track record of forecasting trends. You've had so many different home runs that you've picked along the way with your, your Palm Beach uh, research group. And I'm curious, like, what is, because I, I love to look, I try to, I forecast, forecast trends every year, whenever all the big companies, you know, all the big consulting groups like Deloitte and, you know, Pricewaterhouse, and, you know, all these ones are, are putting out there. I always go in and say, oh, uh, file type PDF trends. And then I want to see, and I'll go through and I'll read all those. And I want, because I want to learn to see what do they think the biggest trends are going to be? Because that, I think, me going in and reading the top five, you know, consulting groups ideas on what the trends are. That's gives me a little bit of a heads up. A lot of people don't have, but I'm curious, how are you able to so consistently pick and forecast these upcoming trends that are getting ready to pop and finding these tokens that are just low cap and then explode? Like how, how are you doing that? Cause I, I think in terms of an institutional capital allocator, right? Because they are ultimately going to be the drivers of this market moving forward. So I put myself in the mind of if I'm allocating capital as an institution, what am I looking for? So I'm looking for a project that's solving a real problem. I'm looking for token economics where the actual token is a meaningful part of the solution, not just something tacked on. I'm looking for a credible team and I'm looking for developer support. So that, that's, that's the basic framework. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking for something that will pass the smell test of an institution. So if I've got two projects doing the similar thing and this project might have better technology, but this project is more appealing to an institutional buyer for any number of different reasons that, I, that I've mentioned, I will always go with this project. It is a mistake to, to put your money behind what you think is the best technology. It is rarely the best technology that wins. Now, ADA is a coin that we recommend. I, we've had a position in it. We've made a lot of money in it. But I will tell you right now, unequivocally, sure, ADA might have better technology than Ethereum. It will never, ever supplant Ethereum. It Whoa, that's, that's a big statement. And you say that because they're lacking what? Because these guys are scientists. They're not business people. Mm -hmm. I mean, they know how to promote their token, but they don't know how to actually launch product, right? And that's the key. Do you know how many times they've mentioned and said that they're going to do things and launch this and launch that and get this done? And they haven't. 
because they're so busy. They're engineers. They're so busy trying to perfect the tech that they haven't launched anything. You know what made Microsoft so great? Okay, not their tech. Their tech was horrible, but they launched, they iterated, they launched, they iterated. All through the 80s and 90s, everybody said, oh, Microsoft can't survive, Microsoft can't survive. They, they, they ship terrible technology. XYZ has better tech. When you get the tech into the hands of millions of users, even if it's bad tech, that installed user base creates a moat. Look at Ethereum, okay? Ethereum, do you know how expensive it is to run a trade on Ethereum right now? Those yeah, gas it's, it's ridiculous. Insane. Mm -hmm. it's, it's slow. It's expensive. It doesn't make any sense. And yet $100 billion of value has collated around that DeFi ecosystem. Look at that. That's what you need to look at. Follow the money. I don't care if XYZ broke blockchain can do 50,000 transactions a second. Oh, it costs one millionth of a penny to do a trade. How many people are using your stuff? How many people are programming on it? How many smart contracts have you put out? How much actual money is sitting on your network? That's what I care about. That's more important than the, thing, than the underlying technology. And that's what creates the winners. And it's the reason why I've continued to be supportive of Ethereum, even though the technology is not great. It's clunky. It's expensive. Uh, uh, you know, they, they've had so many missteps. They had the, the chain break. They rolled back on ETC. And yet they're still here. And yet they still survive. And I'll put my money on on. On, on the survivor, on the, on, the, on the company that people are actually putting hundreds of billions of dollars on, that's where I'll put my money. Not on some guy who's promising me that he's going to invent the next greatest mousetrap that never sees the light of day. So there you go. That's how you forecast. Is there a place where you go to, like, to necessarily find those? Are you... I mean, are you, I mean, I mean, at this point, you got a, a huge research team that's going out, maybe sort of surfacing some of these, and then you go in and you put your sort of metrics to the test and you go, all right, and, and, oh, this one right here. Oh, damn, this one could that, be. That's, that, that's exactly how that works. So I've got a big team now and they're constantly pitching me ideas and I'm constantly blowing holes in them. Mm -hmm. And then every now and again, they pitch me an idea and I take a deeper look and I'm like, okay, that's going to be real. So, so Uniswap was, was one. And we recommended that at two bucks. And I looked at that and I did a deep dive on it after my guys brought it to me. And I said, okay, these guys are going to rule the world. This is, this, this is, there's no question. We, mm -hmm. we got to be long Uniswap. Circumventing the whole need for an exchange oh, is freaking it's genius. genius. Yeah. It's genius. Let's have some fun here. Let's pick on a few coins and get your, your thoughts on them. Uh, BNB sure. and the Binance Smart Chain in general. Recommended it at $1.88. And still recommend? I'm a fan. We're still yeah. long. Yeah, it's good. Hell of an gonna, ecosystem. Hell of an ecosystem. Yes. Hell of an ecosystem. Centralized is all get out. Mm -hmm. um, does, it, does the fact that it's controlled, centralized, it, kind of Chinese, does that, does that scare you at all? I, I don't care that it's Chinese. What I've learned is that sometimes you've got to hold your nose and buy something because it's going to go up. So mm -hmm. I did that with Ripple. I didn't like Ripple. Totally centralized, right? But I knew it was going to go up. I saw the market that they were going after. It, it really went against the ethos of the entire ecosystem. But at the end of the day, my subscribers pay me to make them money. And so we recommended it. And it's been a great big winner. Uh, you know, Binance, 
they're solving a problem. Uh, will they will they become more decentralized over time? I don't know. The bet I'm making with them is that value will continue to accrue to their operating system, uh, to their project. And what I really think, and where I think we'll really see a value explosion is when we see the launch of index ETFs in the crypto space. And if we're getting an index uh, crypto ETF, which we will at some point, then how is Binance not a part of that? Mm -hmm. Right. You, Interesting. You can't put an index ETF without Binance being a part of it. What about Dogecoin? You know, Doge is amazing. I, I first started buying Doge when it had a $30 million market cap uh, because I had interviewed um, Vitalik Buterin and he was long uh, from when it was a $7 million market cap. And we were joking about it. And I said, I said, I said, Vitalik, you know, I mean, Doge is kind of crazy. He's like, yeah, it's crazy, but it's worth $30 million. And that means something. Um, now, for me, I don't own Doge anymore. It was just something that I did for fun. Doge is a legitimate investment class asset. I mean, I, I don't get it. I, I'll, I'll be completely frank with you. I don't get it. It's something that you can mine on your phone. It's virtually unlimited. I, I don't understand the mania around Doge. I would say if you want to have fun with it, trade it. It's, been, it's made a lot of people a lot of money. But in terms of the investment thesis and, and where it fits in the overall ecosystem, I, I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't have an answer. Mm, gotcha. Let's do go you? back and forth, Joel. Let me, let me ask one. What do you think about Polkadot? It's a serious, serious project. And uh, Gavin I, I Wood, like, I mean, I, I, I like it. Yeah. the way they've launched this thing, and I, I've been paying attention to this. Yesterday, when, when the things went down, I was like, oh, damn, look at Polkadot's on sale. Yes. Yeah. It's a serious project. It's another one that I think would, would I always ask myself, would, would this, if, if, if we had index ETFs, would this make the cut in an index ETF? And Polkadot, 100% yes. Mm. I got another one. What about Kusama? I'm not familiar with the project. I don't follow it. Mm. Now, that's the one that's where it gets tied, to, it gets connected to, to DOT a lot. What about Solana? Uh, again, not super familiar. I'm, I've, I've heard of the project, but I'm not super familiar with it. I can't render an opinion on it. You know, you've got a couple of these uh, standbys that have, you know, been in the, the tops for a while, like Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin. Um, you, do you feel like they have their place in the long term? No. And I like Roger, you know, but no. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I don't. Um, I, I just don't see the need for them. I don't know what they fulfill in a world where we have stable coins now. Uh, uh, you know, this whole idea of, of digital money, uh, of, of using a, a, a crypto to actually buy and sell stuff. I, I think that um, I think stable coins fulfill that role really well. They do a really good job. So why would I want to own Litecoin or Bitcoin Cash? Um, I like Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash from a trading perspective. We own them from a trading perspective and we'll trade them across this bull run. But do I think that they have staying power for years and years from now? I mean, I, I, I don't. Yeah, they kind of remind me of some of the coins that you would see, like who were in the top 10 in 2014? You're like, oh, look at those. Wow. Name coin. Well, look at the uh, master. Wow. Master these are, these, they don't yeah. exist. Yeah. 
<laughs> I want to ask you a little bit about some DeFi stuff you were talking about earlier and securities and how things are getting going are, are sort of taking off. Uh, it seems to me that the the super explosion in crypto maybe hasn't even taken place yet, right? We we're kind of at the beginning because security tokens haven't really happened yet, and on the scale of like. You know, why are we doing venture capital whenever somebody could do a security token offering and they can say, look, we're going to put a percentage of our revenue in these tokens and you buy these tokens and invest in us. And right. Imagine if a percentage of Google's revenue was tied into a Google coin and you own that or Apple instead, whenever you bought your MacBook Pro, you were able to get a, a security token or whatever as a loyalty thing. And as the company grows, your value grows. And I want to say, I want to ask about that. But then I also want to say, how far off are we until I can take my Apple stock and I can do DeFi loans on my Apple stock? That's going to happen sooner than the security token stuff. And uh, Binance has already started to facilitate the, the trading of, of securities uh, through digital assets. They're getting a lot of pushback right now from the uh, American regulators. Is that why the SEC is kind of sniffing at them? Because they're like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're really crossing over into their purview. But this is, again, as I pull back the camera, how, can, how is it not obvious that all trading is going to move to the blockchain and fractionalized ownership of, 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 of shares? If you think about the inefficiencies present in the stock market right now, they're mind-bending. Two to three days to, 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 to secure a trade. And when, and when you do a trade, you don't know if your counterparty has the stock he says he has, and that counterparty doesn't know that you have the cash you say you have. That's insane that our entire financial system still operates like that. It allows so much fraud to flourish because what happens is, is that back offices can keep moving trades around. Let's say I'm, I'm a bad actor uh, in, in, the, uh, in the brokerage business and I have a trade and I have a loss on a trade, a $300 million loss. Well, I can keep saying, I can keep moving it into a different account within that two to three day period. And I can do that for years and never register that loss. And Nomura Securities did that in the 80s. They had derivative losses hundreds of millions of dollars of them back when you, you could push a trade out for seven days and they were pushing trades out for 15 years. I mean, ponder that for a second, 15 years. That's how broken the traditional financial system is. And so they are terrified of moving to a, uh, to a decentralized ledger because all of a sudden, now we know, I know if you own the stock you say you own. You know if I have the cash I say I have. There's, it will be impossible to do a legal short. You couldn't do 140% short against GameStop uh, uh, like you've seen in the past. It's just not possible in a DeFi, decentralized finance world. And that is scaring a lot of people. Do you know how much money brokers make lending more stock than actually exists? billions and billions of dollars. And that's not going to be easy to, to break apart that, that cartel. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen without some blood, sweat, and tears. I wonder, what do you say to the maximalists? You know, people uh, like Max Kaiser, you know, Peter McCormick, those that are just, it's Bitcoin. It's nothing but Bitcoin. Bitcoin all the time. Everything else is a shit coin. Well, I, 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 that would be like me saying, um, uh, 
AOL, which was the first major, you know, which had which popularized email on on the internet. It's like me saying it's just AOL and nothing else, right? Because they 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 dominate email. I think Bitcoin dominates one particular aspect of blockchain technology, right? In terms of a store of value, I don't think anybody's going to beat Bitcoin as a store of value in, in, in the digital world. So I would say that that's completely locked. But you can't, you cannot build smart contracts on Bitcoin. Now you might at some point in the future, whenever they get layer two, you know, really squared away, but you can't do that right now. And there, there are so many applications of blockchain technology that we haven't even thought about yet. And think about this, the guy that, the, or girl that might end up extracting the most amount of value out of blockchain technology is probably in grade school right now. It's probably in third or fourth grade, right? That man or that woman has not reached adulthood yet. Think wow. about it. In 1995, how old was uh, Zuckerberg? Was I mean, what was he? Eight, nine, seven? I don't know. But that little kid was going to change the world. So I think you'll see the same thing take place uh, in the blockchain world. Now I am a huge proponent of Bitcoin, a huge fan. I'm not a maximalist, but in terms of store of value, I think absolutely Bitcoin displaces gold. Uh, it probably displaces a number of government bonds and will go on to have a massive valuation. But as the be all and end all, right, the alpha and the omega, the entire universe that everything is built upon. No, I don't think so. Hmm. So we're looking at a market cap right now. Let me pull it up here on CoinGecko the day after Black Wednesday. And I don't know. We have we've had a Black Thursday so far. There's been a Black <laughs> Friday. There's been a Black Monday. Is there going to be? I, I don't know if we've ever had a Black Tuesday. But the total market cap right now, yesterday it was down to 1.5 trillion. Today it's uh, almost to 1.8 trillion. And you said this bull runs on a run. Right now, Bitcoin's a little under 40,000 as we speak. You know, the price goes up, goes down. Where do you think overall? What is what do you what are you calling maybe the top of this sort of cycle? market cap wise overall are we going to hit five trillion on this four trillion is there any sort of ballpark around that and maybe what do you think the, the price of bitcoin and ethereum might be at these tops okay I, I i can't i can't make that prediction it's just not possible and, and a lot of it depends upon whether an etf gets approved this year or not um, but i think in this cycle let's talk about this cycle right in this cycle i think ethereum hits ten thousand dollars so about a trillion dollar market cap and I think Bitcoin hits at least $100,000, at least. Mm. So with Bitcoin at 100K, I would take another look at the whole market. And then I'd say, okay, how far do I think we, we, are we in the cycle? If Bitcoin's 100K and then an ETF just gets approved, well, then you've got to say, you know, we're probably going to go to two to 250 on BTC. If Bitcoin's at 100K. And there's no shot at an ETF, then you got to say, okay, we're probably more towards the tail end of the cycle. Now, with that said, I reserve the right to completely reverse myself on what I just said based upon circumstances. Yeah, what what circumstances would cause that reversal? What could you see happening here as contingencies that would make you go, whoa, whoa, whoa roll back the tape? 
Okay, so if all of a sudden global regulators decide that they're going to, for the first time ever, have a global coordinated um, uh, 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 attack on Bitcoin, uh, that would definitely be a problem. Not an insurmountable one, but it would slow things down. Mm -hmm. Or if governments collectively decided uh, we're going to come out with a tax just for you holding these assets, not even selling them. Uh, so I know Treasury Secretary Yellen has talked about a wealth tax, not based upon, not a transactional wealth tax, but a wealth tax based upon assets that you hold, which is insane. Which just means uh, everybody finds ways to have assets that they aren't holding. Correct. Correct. It, it just forces assets underground. Um so I, I would say the biggest risk, is, and, and this has been true for the lifespan of Bitcoin and, and the ecosystem in general, is overzealous regulatory risk. But the thing to remember is, is that what, does, you know, what doesn't kill Bitcoin makes it stronger. Man, it's the honey badger. You can just shoot it 100 times and it finds a way to rebuild and come back. And, and that's why I don't panic about the attacks against Bitcoin. I welcome them because it makes the asset stronger. It creates multiple buying opportunities. Think what we've been through in the last 10, 12 years in this asset class, right? We've gone through Mt. Gox. We've gone through numerous thefts, hacks. How many times has the Chinese government banned Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining or Bitcoin trading? Mm -hmm. I, I've lost count. All of I've them. All the times. Right? All the times. How many times have we had central bankers come out and say, Bitcoin is awful, Bitcoin is terrible, nobody should buy this, this is a horrible asset, stay away from it. Mm -hmm. It's rat poison squared. Right. And, and, and I love what Bill Miller said, uh, uh, that, that, he's, that, that Warren Buffett is right. If, <laughs> if the rat is cash, then Bitcoin is rat poison squared. Um, so, so you've got to look at the resiliency of this asset. I was speaking to a money manager a couple of months ago who's just a completely traditional money manager and was just poo-pooing Bitcoin. And I said to him, I said, look, you're a rational operator, right? He's like, yes, I, I have to. I, I manage hundreds of millions of dollars. I said, when you have an asset class that over a 10-year period of time where every single time people think that it's dead, it comes back and not only comes back, but makes a new high every single time and does that for 10 years and, and is now more valuable than any other financial operator on the planet. How can you, as a logical thinking man, say that's a scam or that isn't real or that doesn't have value? That's, that is, it's a terrible form of, of intellectual dishonesty because there's no asset, there's no fraud that can last that long under, under the repeated attacks that Bitcoin has had, under the, repeated, under the repeated scrutiny that Bitcoin has had. If you look at frauds in the past, Enron, Enron, as soon as there was scrutiny on it, it collapsed. Uh, uh, Madoff, as soon as there was scrutiny on it, it collapsed. WorldCom, as soon as there was scrutiny on it, it collapsed. The Federal Bitcoin. Reserve. There you go. There's there's your scam that perpetuates. So so Bitcoin has been scrutinized and attacked thousands of times by governments, by hackers, by by miners, 
by people in the space, by programmers, and yet it still survives. That tells you something. And that was why in 2016, one of the reasons why I got so bullish on Bitcoin, I saw it collapse in price, but it didn't go to zero. Frauds go to zero. If you take nothing else from what I say today, understand that frauds always go to zero. And the fact that Bitcoin was still worth $6 billion told me that this thing had value, that this wasn't a fraud. And thank God I listened to myself because look at it now. It's $800 billion later. I mean, it's just been an incredible growth and we will see even more growth ahead. And, and, and we'll still see very smart, very brilliant people call it a scam 10, 15, 20 years from now when it's worth perhaps 50 or 100. Well, I, don't, I don't know if we can call them smart or brilliant at that point. <laughs> well, look, I've got to say that if you've amassed a net worth in excess of a billion dollars, you're brilliant, but you're brilliant in a very narrow scope. I, I talk to a lot of very smart, very, very wealthy people. And the biggest mistake I see these people make is just because they are so brilliant here they think that that brilliance uh, automatically applies in every other area of their life. And it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. That is a, a lesson that has really I've made a lot of money from, from that one lesson. When a, when a brilliant person uh, uh, delivers an opinion on something that is outside of their core competency, I immediately discount it. It doesn't have value. Mm. Well, before we wrap this thing up here, I want to I want to ask you about this. You, you know, your website is Palm Beach Group. You know, this podcast right here, we're in the top 25 in America in investing uh, ranked on iTunes. A lot of people listen to this and we, we give people news. We don't necessarily give them investing advice. We're telling them all the time. This is not financial advice. You have a lot of financial advice over here. Is there any maybe special or deal? We haven't talked about this, but is there anything that you could uh, discount or anything for bad crypto listeners? Is there any opportunities for that? Are you ever, is there discount codes or anything that we could point people to to let them get started? Um, I actually, I, 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 I didn't prepare anything like that here. I, I, I didn't even uh, think about it. But if you want to get access to some of our, our free stuff, you can go to um, uh, 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 palmbeachresearchgroup.com and we have something called uh, uh, the Palm Beach Daily and that's a okay. free e-letter where we put out a, a lot of uh, great ideas, a lot of free research and uh, that's a way to get your feet wet to what we're doing over there and then if you want to find out more about DeFi tech you, you can uh, 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 check us out, uh, we'll check the company out um, at uh, DeFi.tech uh, that's D-E-F-I.tech what a great domain name that is, huh? It right. is very cool. And then you can find out more about what's, uh, you know, what the company is doing in terms of how they're bringing DeFi assets to a much larger audience. That's awesome. There what's you the go. Palm Beach Infinity. I want to know what the infinity is because it says here, learn more. And that's just like, that just must be all the super magical stuff all in one. It, huh? it is. It's, it's a way to get access to all of my research in one place for a much, much lower price than if you bought it individually. Thus, the infinity. Awesome. Palmbeachgroup.com. You guys can click on the link for the Palm Beach Daily sign up there. Teak, I do have one last question. Uh, yeah. Your name, what is the, uh, the etymology of, uh, of Tika Tawari? Well, I've, I'm of Indian extraction and my ancestors are from northern India. And that, okay. that, that, that's an Indian name. And that's where Tika Tawari comes from. 
Excellent. Thanks for joining us today, man. Really appreciate it. Glad to get to know you. Thank you very much, guys. It was wonderful to be here. And thanks for the great questions. Did we tell you or did we tell you? Tika's the man. Yeah, that was great. Hope you finished your vegetables as well. You make mm-hmm. sure mom always said, don't get up until you eat all your food. And so you finished the podcast. Good job. Well, you're not completely finished because now we still have a little bit right yeah. here. Yeah. We want to tell you about Prime XBT. It's an award-winning trading platform, offers over 50 assets, and it's not just crypto. So if you want to trade Forex, stocks, commodities, crypto, all in one place, check them out and get 50% off for your first deposit. It's a bonus when you use the promo code Bad Crypto Podcast. Easy to remember. Go to badco.in forward slash prime XBT and get that 50% bonus. Do it and uh, in, invest in things that you believe in. I would say definitely. And, you know, go to the Palm Beach Letter.com. Uh, Palm, I think it's Palm Beach Research Group or Palm Beach Research. It is, it's right here in the show notes. Go and look at it. You can go and see it. PalmBeachGroup.com is the website. And uh, you can join Palm Beach Daily for free. And there are some other ones in there that I'm considering uh, jumping in on and getting some of that research because I know these guys over there know what is going on. And they tend to know what's going on before anybody else knows what's going on. So and the show notes are found at badco.in forward slash 517. That's where mm-hmm. you can see the show notes with all the interesting infos and uh, and learn more about Tika and the things that he does in dues. There you go. Thank you for tuning in, folks. If you like this, make sure you subscribe. If you're already subscribed, thank you. Make sure you leave a review because we like reviews. And if you've left a review, well, then thank you. You don't have anything else to do except what? what if, if, if you like this, you're going to love broccoli. That's what I'm going to say. If you like this show, you're going to love broccoli. is just going to be a delight for you. Oh, your broccoli pierce. That's our, is that our next interview? <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be such a great parody card. If we were to, instead of blockchain heroes, if we did blockchain veggies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so you'd have to have broccoli pierce. Yeah, you gotta have that. <laughs> and somebody oh. somebody dealing with corn. You gotta have corn in there. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, catch you next time. Stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Assuming you're bad to begin with. If you're not bad to begin with, then be bad. bad. Get bad.